Whenever you fast, do not become gloomy like the hypocrites. But when you fast, anoint yourself with oil and wash. In the name of Jesus. So we assume fasting is a bad or uh, is a useless thing as a spiritual exercise and discipline. Or worse, Roman Catholic. Here's the pesky thing. Jesus has different assumptions. He's the one who says it. Whenever you fast and when you are fasting, seems to be he assumes we will do such a thing. He even says later on in Matthew 9, the days are coming when the bridegroom himself will be gone, and in those days his disciples will fast. If you want a religion that is going to make you feel really comfortable, I, don't, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. So why does Jesus say what he says in Matthew 6? Well, it's because of your flesh. There will be lots of F's tonight. Fast and feast, flesh and faith, and even forgiveness. But at the end of it all, we will see, and it will relate to fasting as well, everything that is said and promised in Second Peter as well as Joel, that Christ is the one who gives you everything for life and for godliness. So first off, about your flesh. Your flesh is your foe. It's one of the big three we always talk about from the small catechism. We remember it well. There is the devil, the world, and our own sinful nature. That's another way of talking about our flesh. So what is your flesh? Well, your flesh is you. That's what Paul says. I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. And he also says uh, that he delights in the law of God in his inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind. And so your flesh is you. It's what you can see. You can look in a mirror. You can check its vitals. That's your flesh. And this is why the examination in the Christian questions asks you to see if you're still alive. But it's not only what you see. It's also the inner desires. That, too, is your flesh. The inner desires that make what you see do what it does. Your flesh and its desires is dead. It's demonic in league with the devil, and it delights in the uh, pleasures of the world. Your flesh is a body of death, Paul says. He also says, and this fits very much with our modern culture, that there will be those whose God is their belly, their appetites, 
They will eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow they die. Only the pleasures of this life matter. And because of this enemy, it's you, it is no wonder then that Peter makes this delightful promise to you this evening that Christ's divine power is what gives you everything that has to do with life and godliness. He must give it because you don't have it in you. All that's in you, uh, in yourself, is your flesh alone. And you are, because of your flesh, in great need, desperate need of a Savior. And you have such a Savior. Christ, the Son of God, takes on your flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, is the Christmas promise. He does so without sin. And in his sinless flesh, he redeems your flesh with his flesh and blood. He breaks down the dividing wall of hostility in, the, in his flesh. He uh, deals with God's demands by shedding his blood for them. And he resurrects and restores your flesh in his own flesh. He was raised from the dead for your innocent verdict before God. And he still now has the flesh and blood that he was crucified in and raised in. He will never die again. But not only that, he promises here in Second, in Second Peter that everything for you, uh, for life and godliness, is his gift to you. You right now, as you live in the flesh, because by his gracious gift, and we'll get there more in just a second, he has made your flesh a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we give thanks to him for all that he has done, fulfilling his great and precious promises and even making more that Christ himself gives you everything for life and for godliness. And in this gift, this giving you all of this, we have then Paul's promise of what is it like then to live in this flesh that has now become the temple of the Holy Spirit? Well, Paul confesses, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is the gift and life that you received in holy baptism, where the Spirit was given you in holy baptism when you did not have him before that. And so now you are flesh and faith, dead yet alive, or the more familiar phrase, you are sinner and saint. Not either or or, both and at the same time. 
And so now we circle back round to why Jesus says what he says about fasting. Fasting is not giving up foods. Fasting is not eating. It's abstaining to not eat certain things. It is fasting to not eat. Fasting is law. It's to beat up on your flesh, to prove to it that your to prove that your God is not your belly. Your appetites do not control you. The fast says, flesh, you are dead. And your flesh doesn't like it. Your flesh says a fast means there's a famine and I will die. Your flesh says, if I don't eat, I will die. If I don't do this sin, I will die. If I don't fornicate, I will die, says the flesh. Faith says, not so. You are already dead. The flesh doesn't want to die because when it dies, it is dead dead. And faith fears the flesh because if the flesh gains control, well then, there is a second death coming for both body and soul. And this is why Paul, this is from a, a, a couple weeks ago, 1 Corinthians 9, where Paul says, I discipline my body to keep it under control. Fasting is for the flesh. Feasting, that's for faith. And faith says flesh is dead and that the only feast for life is not anything we can eat or consume or any appetite that can be filled in this life, any itch that can be scratched. Faith says the only feast that will give me life is the feast of Christ's flesh and blood because that is Christ's own promise. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him, resurrect him on the last day. Or as it is for our verse this week, if anyone, I am the living bread that came down from heaven, Jesus says, if anyone eats of this bread, he'll live forever. And the bread that I'm giving for the life of the world is my flesh. And this feast of Christ's flesh prepares you for, in the forgiveness of your sins, all your sins, all the sins of the flesh, prepares you for the feast that never ends, the feast of eternal life, where the only thing that you will consume are the wonderful gifts that God gives. God, too, will feast. In that day, he will feast upon death, and he will swallow up death forever. And yes, of course, faith, born out of the feast of life, does have fruit. But that comes from Christ and Christ alone. As Second Peter says, only his divine power gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Or as Paul puts it in Galatians, it is the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit gives the fruit. Or as it is in our reading from Joel, who knows whether he will not turn and leave behind him a blessing 
the grain offering and the drink offering for the Lord our God. And he then says, I am sending you grain, wine, and oil. He gives all things for life and godliness. Paul says, you will reap what you sow. Whoever sows to the flesh will from the flesh reap destruction. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And this is the great promise of Christ then this evening, that he indeed gives you everything for life and godliness. And that even includes fasting. A fast without a feast is a famine. A feast without a fast is gluttony. You fast for the flesh to prove to it that God is your God. Jesus is your God and not it. You feast for faith. Feasting on Christ's flesh for the forgiveness of sins gives the promise that he will raise your flesh on the last day pure and undefiled even as we do feast for the forgiveness of our sins on his flesh, in our flesh, in the name of Jesus.